It's also like such a classic move though because when you go like, what are you wearing? Oh, jeans and a nice top. And you're like, okay, what shoes? Send me a photo. And you're like, oh, for fuck, no worries. And you've got to dangle the foot in front yeah, of Yeah, and it never looks good. Like a photo of just like, no. part of an outfit. <laughs> you can't just send a photo of your foot. No. It's never going to work out the way that you envision it. Well, you could. People make money off that. That's true. Oh, if yeah. We, um, if we don't get some sponsors soon, that could be something we could turn to. <laughs> Fierce feet of history. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast where we tell you the stories of women from history that you should know about. I'm Talissa. I'm Lucy. And I'm Erin. We're going to talk about, uh, well, basically, my inspiration for today's episode uh, came from the Women's March for Justice that Talissa and I attended this month, which has come off the back of some horrific... uh, stories out of our federal parliament of sexual harassment cases and that has basically just snowballed into this enough is enough protest we're over it you know Mm -hmm. it's a conversation that's been going on for far too long now the fact i was moving houses guys don't worry lucy Lucy was there in spirit (laughs) lucy was moving house which is a mission in itself Mm -hmm. but i think you know off your off the back of your episode last week talissa and how there were so many parallels in that story to the protest. And I know we've spoken mm-hmm. about it a lot, but fuck, it's important and it's relevant. And it's it's March. It's freaking Women's Month. Shit's going down. Um, but this happening. is a conversation that is not just for the month of March. So dragging that out a little bit, taking a bit of inspiration from that. At the end of the March, everyone erupted into song, a very famous oh. Feminist you know, I've song. Been, if I know the song, I've been humming it like all week. <laughs> Me too. I cannot stop singing it. That song is, of course, I Am Woman by Helen Reddy. I am strong. powerful moment at the end of the the protest i can't stop singing it it's it really it really just it's just got a little something about it that just it's not just the lyrics it's just makes you want to freaking roar and um smash the patriarchy smash the patriarchy Mm. touch your boobies (laughs) anyways on that note (laughs) i am doing helen ready are you ready for this Okay, singer, songwriter, author, activist, mother, woman. Helen Maxine Reddy was born October 25, 1941 in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. We love an Aussie queen. She was born into a showbiz fam. Her dad, Max Reddy, was an actor known for Homicide in 1964 and Hunter 1967, a little before our time, I'd say. <laughs> Just a little. Also, if you didn't say he was an actor, we'd be like, he was known for Homicide and <laughs> hunting people. <laughs> He's known for Homicide and Showbiz, hunting. baby. <laughs> showbiz. And her mum, Stella Lamond, was also an actress. No that is more. such an actress name, Stella Lamont. It is. I mean, they both are, really. Big time. She was also in Homicide. Good oh. for her. Uh, and also Country Town in 1971 and Bellbird in 1967. So we'll add that to our viewing list, I assume. Cute. Also, her half-sister not. is performer Tony Lamont, 
who raised Helen as a surrogate mother while their parents were performing. And her cousin, another fun fact, is Dame Patricia Lee Reddy, the Governor General of New Zealand, as you do. Okay, okay. Moving on, back to Helen. Just imagine, like, Christmas with these people. I know. know. So Helen was born during World War II. Her father was a sergeant in the Australian Army and he was an entertainer. He, okay. So she really was born for the stage here. I think that's pretty clear to say. At the age of four, Helen joined her parents at the on the Australian vaudeville circuit, singing and dancing, and she basically recalled that it was instilled in her that she would be a star. That real classic storyline. She made her stage debut at the age of four in a musical called On Your Toes, and that was in Perth in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. So with this sort of lifestyle her parents were always on the move they were also always arguing very theatrical and Helen was over that she was like this is awful so she decided to bow out of that at the age of 12 and she went to go live with her auntie who apparently had a really big influence on sort of her feminism and her sort of that side of her life moving forward that's cool Mm -hmm. but this is I love this is kind of ironic this was her sort of – so her leaving her parents and being like, this is your dream, mom and dad, not mine, <laughs> was her way of rebelling because she wanted to instead become like a housewife, which is, so, back, which is so backwards because at the time everyone was a housewife, inverted commas, everyone yes, was a housewife and that was the norm for norm. a woman. Rebelling would have been to run away to join the vaudeville circuit. So it's quite funny that – that's her version of being a rebel. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, wild. Yeah. At the age of 17, she had a kidney removed due to Addison's disease, which meant she couldn't really dance anymore. Oh. But at that 17. time, she was rebelling. So, yeah. yeah. Very young. Baby, baby, baby. At the age of 19, still on that housewife kind of brain train, she married an older musician called Kenny Wheat, and they went on to have a baby girl named Tracy. 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 What an Australian name. I know, and it's spelled an Australian T. Name. It's very Australian, but it's also spelled T R A C I. Tracy. It really is. It's, it's like it's like it's not Tracy. It's Tracy. Tracy. Anyways, they had Tracy. They ended up breaking up not long after that, and pretty much Helen became a single mother. He was sort of out of the picture after that. Goodbye. Good luck to you, Kenny. It was there that she then resumed her singing career, travelling around Australia for TV appearances and concerts to help make some money due to her kidney removal. She couldn't really dance anymore, but all her focus was on her singing. Mm -hmm. And she did say that showbiz was the only business that allowed you to earn the same salary as a man and keep your name at the same time. Yeah. Truth. And she she bloody can sing. Like, holy shit. She's got bloody angel vocals, can I tell you? Make a buck off that voice, girlfriend. Go for it. In 1966, around the age of 25, she entered a TV performance competition called Bandstand, which was actually filmed at Channel 9 in Sydney. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was like before like your countdown and your uh, top of the pops shows. It was kind of one of those earlier ones. She managed to make it all the way through to the finals where she performed Strangers and Lovers and won. Strangers walking in the city Such 
country Down on the morning They just seem to wonder what a mood. Ooh, anyway, so that was her. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway, iconic. Good so she city. won with that <laughs> performance right there that you heard. Wow. The prize for winning was a trip to New York City and a recording contract with Mercury Records. Ooh. Ooh. Ah. Ah. However. Ah. That felt no. very natural. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was a total rot. R O R T. A scandal. A scandal. When she arrived in the Big Apple, the Big Smoke, she learnt that she was only eligible for an audition and Mercury had already considered her winning bandstand performance as her audition and deemed her unsuccessful. Mind you, after she had already got there. They told Excuse her this. us. Like, welcome to our office. Sorry. Goodbye. Rude. Shit. Our phones back then? Jesus Christ. I got a call her. <laughs> no. Bush took a 24-hour plane ride to New York. I know. I don't know how Super long it takes, but, you know. dick move. But, you Just know. rude. It was meant to be. And, of course, at that time, male bands were all the rage. It's the 60s. You've got the Beatles, the Stones, the Beach Boys doing their thing and the idea of a female soloist was just not on anybody's radar as far as music producers go, which were all men. (laughs) It's really good that that's changed. Mm, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Equality. (laughs) Cries. Now, despite having only US $200 at the time, which is the equivalent to about $1,500 now and about $1,900 Australian dollars, and a return ticket to Australia on her at the time, she decided and a kid. to. Oh, yes. And a three year old. She decided. Three year old with her? Yep. Three, the three year old was with her. Tra- Tracy so came along. A, I'm sorry. She Tracy. took a plane ride to New York with a mm-hmm. three year old mm-hmm. by herself. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. The gumption. <laughs> So despite having, you know, $1,900 in her pocket and a three-year-old on her arm and a return ticket to Australia, she decided to remain in New York City. Good for her. Brave woman. To keep trying. She didn't want to give up yet. She didn't want to go home with her, quote, towel between her legs. Now, because she didn't have a green card, she did have to keep popping over to Canada to renew her US visa in the interim. That's painful. Very painful. She also continued to perform and make some money for her and Tracy to stay in New York. Now, in a 60 Minutes interview in 1979, which is the first year that nine, that 60 Minutes came out, with Ray Never. Martin and his 70s Ray Martin do. Ray Martin was there then? <laughs> yeah. That's he just, he's still keep, Have they replaced him with a robot these days? How is he still going? <laughs> he's not Niagara. on it anymore, but he is around. He comes around my office sometimes. No, right. he was a younger Ray Martin at the time. You'd have to be, otherwise he's fucking immortal. I don't <laughs> so many questions. So I said Ray Martin and his 70s hairstyle. Helen recalled how she did a lot of supporting performances for male comedians and they would often make sexist jokes about her when they came on stage. So she'd come on and do her set and then as like a warm-up act and then they would come on and they would make comments like, oh, thanks, Helen. Thank, thanks, Helen Ready for singing before the show and then they'd be like hey hey sweetheart go get naked and wait in my uh my dressing room i'll be there in a second and she was like, so yeah she was pretty confronted with misogyny and sexism from early on i'd say i hate it so much 
So she's in New York. She's struggling to make some money. She's playing gigs where she's being paid less than the band but can't even cry boo about it because she's not really even supposed to be. Less than the band and she's the front person. Yes. But Ah, fuck this. But she couldn't – well, technically she could, but technically she couldn't say anything No, I know, I know, I know. Because yeah, obviously. She didn't. she wasn't even supposed to be working in the country. But yeah. still, fuck. fucking horse shit. So she's struggling to make money. Soon a friend of hers, who I think was a – a uh, hypnotist or something random Ooh. like that threw a party for her to raise money for her to stay in New York, which is like, That's why haven't nice. you guys done that for me yet? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so her friend, her friend, her weird hypnotist friend set up a GoFundMe, as you will, for her and Tracy <laughs> to stay in New York <laughs> Charging, this was the admission. So it was five US dollars at the time, which is the equivalent to about 45 Australian dollars now. Imagine what? going to a party wow. and someone saying 45 bucks. Better be yeah, especially a if you don't party. like who the, who, the, who the fuck is Helen? I don't care. I'm not coming. Like, are you for real? She can figure it out herself. Exactly. I work hard for my money. Screw well, you. Well, I'll tell you who didn't pay for that party, who, who did rock up and didn't pay, who gate crashed that party, mind you, and didn't pay. A man named Jeff Wald. Rude. She meets Jeff, but she falls in love with him at this party. She says it's love at first sight and he didn't, he didn't have to pay. He didn't even pay. He didn't have to pay. He should have. Three days later, they were married. Three. And all her visa issues disappeared. Oh, that's not. And we'll just that's leave that girl. at that. Yes. <laughs> Intelligent. Girl had goals. Mm-hmm. I respect mm-hmm. them now. <clears throat> Three days was too long. Should have been two. Well done, Helen. Yeah. A bit on Jeff here. Jeff was a New Yorker. He worked New at Yorker. William New Yorker. He worked at William Morris Agency, which these days I don't know if you've heard of William Morris Agency, but it's massive. It represents huge names: your Whoopi Goldbergs, your Ben Afflecks, your Hugh Jackmans, your Amy Schumers, your Christian Bales, your Jessica Albers, and your John Krasinski's, aka my husband. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so he worked for them, but he got fired from there for selling pot in the mailroom. So he had a lot of issues. Yeah, he had a lot of issues with drugs. Um, <laughs> pretty much from when couldn't he couldn't like, go outside in the mailroom. <laughs> Couldn't go outside. Did he what? want to lose his job? To a back alley or something? Like, or to seriously? a park? Well, so dumb. Um, I'm not going to make excuses for him, but he did have pretty bad childhood trauma and started using drugs when he was like 13. And it so he should have been smarter about still, it. Still, yeah, the mail room. Well, he was kind of being smart because he was earning like 300 bucks a week off selling pot as opposed to earning room. about, what, like 20 bucks for his job. So okay. he was making a hefty profit for a going little, to work a little, every day. A little discretion never never hurt a drug dealer is all I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets fired from the mailroom for selling pot. He has a, drug, a lot of drug issues that we ch- touch on quite a bit in this story. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to ma- manage artists myself, including Helen. Mm-hmm. So they moved to Chicago. Helen gains a bit of a reputation singing in local lounges. She gets her first single recorded called One Way Ticket. And while it's not very big in America, it does get her on the Australian charts at number 83. Nice. Oh, Australia supporting Just local music since when? Yeah. Well, local. Yep, yeah, yeah. And then he's sort of starting to build up his profile as well as a manager. 
and starting to manage some artists. She's starting to rub shoulders with some people. Um, network, network, network. They eventually move to LA in California. And Jeff continues to manage and then goes on to pick up some bigger artists like Donna Summer mm-hmm. and Sylvester Stallone. Whoa, casual Donna Summer. Stuff. Yeah, yeah casual that's stuff. cool. He also managed Tiny, Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. <gasps> Tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah. My yeah. dad always sings that. I don't know why. Yeah, well, he Tiny Tim, is. Uh, he was managed by Jeff. What? So, Tiny shout Tim. Out, shout out to Talissa's dad. <laughs> he listens to every episode. So shout out, hi, Dad. Bless he literally him. does listen. Dads. Aww, um, that's nice. Okay. So he was also hitting the drugs even harder here. And so was Helen. Their housekeepers would have joints rolled for them at breakfast time. And they would even put out a little bit of cocaine for him too, just next to his <laughs> bacon and eggs. <laughs> okay. Just a little bit of a hard drug. Is that, is that salt or is that cocaine? Oh, well, no. Well, they, they, they always knew. Salts on the right, cocaine's on the left, uh, next to the orange juice. (laughs) I mean, look, it's the 70s. How you doing? Anyways. (laughs) Um, So they were making money now. They were starting to to sort of get on the scene, the Hollywood scene, so to speak. They were also a little bit of a sort of a new dynamic at the time. Probably not necessarily for Hollywood 70s, but definitely for sort of your average 70s couple. She told the Australian Women's Weekly in the 70s that they were a perfect example of a unisex movement. They both wore men's shirts and went to the same hairdresser. Of course, Helen always rocked a short Mm -hmm. do. She said, women today won't allow themselves to be solely sexual objects, which is what they have been for a very long time, she said. Okay, so it was around this time that Helen was also starting to get a little impatient with old Jeffy Doo. After 18 months of career inactivity, Reddy gave Jeff an ultimatum. She was like, old tomato. Old tomato. She was like, yo, Jeff, you're either going to revitalize my career like you said you would, or you can Mm -hmm. get the hell out of here. Either going to be Jazzy Jeff or you're out. Yeah, you get out of here. (laughs) You. (laughs) So then Jeff was like, yes, ma'am, threw himself into his new career as Mr. Helen Reddy. Five months of constant phone calls to Capitol Records finally paid off, resulting in a deal to record a single. Wow. The the A side, of course, we're talking record as in actual records here. The A side was I Believe in Music, but the B side, the B side was the hit. It was called I Don't Know How to Love Him, which was from the new musical at the time, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And that became her huge hit, landing at number 13 in June 1971. Helen Reddy's career had begun to launch. Soon after this, as the propellers started to start turning, churning, Mm -hmm. Helen wrote the lyrics for I Am Woman. She wanted to express the confidence that feminism had given her and this was when the women's rights movement was really starting to take off. She once quoted saying she realised that the song that she was looking for at the time didn't exist and she had to write it and that's what led Mm. her to writing 
I am woman. I like it. Yeah. A big part of her inspiration was, of course, the women's rights movement and all the huge figures from that time. Your Shirley Chisholm's, your Gloria Steinem's, they're all Josephine making Baker's. waves. She was, hang- she was hanging around, wasn't she? Yeah. Oh, she was a little bit earlier than this, I think. She was also in Paris, but the women's rights movement in America, yeah. I'm talking about. So that was really making waves at the time. But one of her really big inspirations was one of her really, really, really good friends and fellow Aussies, Lillian Roxon. Do you guys know about mm. Lillian Roxon? A you journalist. You're loose in your writing. Your writing. No. Lillian Roxon was the first Aussie female overseas correspondent and first Australian journalist to establish a high profile in the US. Yeah, She cool. worked as the US correspondent for the Sydney Morning Herald, which FYI is the, big, cool like, job. the biggest Sydney mm. paper or New mm. South Wales paper. And she went on to publish her famous book, Lillian Roxon's Rock Encyclopedia in 1969. She was a massive, massive pioneer for entertainment writing and rock and roll music writing, which up to that point was sort of very um, written by males from a male mm-hmm. perspective and a lot of sex, drug, rock and roll, like a lot of the writers themselves were very caught up in the scene, whereas she didn't do drugs and she didn't drink. So she was very sharp and she wrote it from a female's perspective, which is always going to be very different to a male's. And it really did sort of start a new wave of of the public viewing music and how artists were represented. That's and really cool. She went on to become very good friends with very big names. One of her best friends is Lin- was Linda McCartney as well, just casually. Wow. Whatever. Anyways, just so she was a huge inspiration to Helen. Her and Helen became good friends because they were two Aussies in America trying to make their way in the world and they were like, hey, friend. So that was cool. And Helen has actually attributed the lyrics to massive inspiration from her. Okay, so I Am Woman is released. The song made little impression when it was released, May 1972, Mm -hmm. until it featured in the film Stand Up and Be Counted, which is the whole film, by the way, is on YouTube. It's amazing. I had to skim watch it, but it's it's amazing. It's like, I don't even know. It's like to think that the movie was made in 1972 about a – it's about a fashion magazine reporter who comes home to – I think she lives in New York and she gets sent home to Denver to write uh, a story about the women's lib movement. And, like, mm-hmm. all through the movie she's, like, going home to her mum and her sister and they're, like – her sister's become this, like, radical women's rights, like, powerhouse. And she's, like, what the hell? You guys agree with this? And her mum's, like, yeah, I guess I'm kind of oppressed too, hey. But then all the men in the movie are just these misogynistic pricks. It's, like – it's great. It's, it's golden and precious and <laughs> interesting it. and problematic okay. but great at the same time. That movie plays I Am Woman throughout it. Like it's almost like the constant oh. instrumental background and then at the very end sort of into the, the rolling motifs. credits, the whole song plays. So cool. off the back of that movie, which would have been very different for its time, it would have gotten a lot of attention for that whole side of things, Helen's song also got a lot of attention. Nice. So then from that, a lot of women started to call into radio stations and say, can you please play this song? Because back in the day, that is what happened. Yeah, that's <laughs> it what wasn't just 
yeah. play, like charting, right? Like big around the world. It was literally yeah. people having to ring in and say, mm-hmm. play this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And she was also going around to a lot of clubs and bars that she knew women were going to, usually accompanying their husbands, but she made sure that she was going to perform in those pubs and clubs mm-hmm. so that she was there to sing for them. And they loved it. Smart. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so from then on, she skyrocketed to number one on the charts and went on to become a momentous part of the women's rights movement, going on to inspire women across the globe. Women have credited this song to inspiring them left, right and centre. Because mm-hmm. as we know, the lyrics, I am woman, hear me roar. Exactly. I mean, it's it's In numbers, poetic. too big to ignore, which makes a lot of sense from the march on the weekend, 10,000 people. Exactly. But also like, united we stand, divided we fall. Exactly, exactly. And that's and from the Spice Girls. This, another powerful <laughs> another powerful female girl band who which was created at a time where boy bands were really mm-hmm. big. Might I add parallel storylines. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is Helen Reddy either was a Spice Girl or inspired the Spice Girls. Oh yes, I think she yeah, very much sounds did. like it. I just Me love too. that story. That underdog vibe. And when it's a yes. woman mm, Mm. Mm. (laughs) I'd roar, but anyways. Okay, moving on. So she's huge. She's making headlines. She's global. Literally, it was like zero to ten real fast. Made her earn a win at the Grammy Awards, baby. Wow. In 1973 for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Yes. Her speech was very short, very short and sweet. But it was incredibly iconic and I'm actually just going to straight up play it for you now, even if you've already seen it before, because it's amazing. The winner is Helen Reddy for I Am Woman. Thank you. I only have 10 seconds, so I'd like to thank everyone concerned at Capitol Records. I would like to thank Jeff Wall because he makes my success possible. And I would like to thank God because she makes everything possible. Yeah, baby. I love it. Chef's kiss. I love it. Like it's, she says, she says what, like 20 words and it's just iconic. Mm. Um, so yeah, last line she says is, and I'd like to thank God because she makes everything possible. And she did say that she just doesn't like to gender, like God is probably a woman, you know, that's kind of her vibe. Probably not real. (laughs) Probably not real, but if it is, it's a woman. Uh, and she, she did cop a bit of criticism for the comment because she did, say it at an award ceremony that was held at the Grammy award ceremony that was held in Nashville that year. And as we know, Nashville is very Jesus, <laughs> but she was like, meh, yeah. they can deal with it. Moving yeah, on. Meh. Well, that was pretty much her uh, response to that. Uh, it's a secular country. Criticism. Bro. Exactly. So she was the second Aussie to win a Grammy award and the first Aussie solo artist to win one as well. So wow. Pretty iconic. The success of the song I Am Woman made her the first Aussie singer to top the US charts as well. So she just set the bar. She was like, this is where we're at. Whatever. What a song Love to it. do it with. What yeah. a freaking song. Yes, exactly. They say sex sells. No, it doesn't. Women empowerment sells. I am woman, hear me roar In numbers too big to ignore And I know too much to go back Cause I've heard it all before And I've been down there on the floor No one's ever gonna 
Later in life, she was asked about the song. She said, I think it came along at the right time, which I couldn't agree more. She got involved in the women's movement. There were a lot of songs on the radio about being weak and being dainty and all those sorts of things. All the women in my family, they were strong women. They worked. They lived through the Depression and a world war and they were just strong women. I certainly didn't see Mm. myself as being dainty, she said. Yes, (laughs) Um, Fun fact, Alice Cooper nicknamed her the Queen of Housewife Rock, which whilst it seems demeaning, which from his point of view probably was, she was like, no, I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to make it mine and I'm going to make it empowering so that housewives are empowered by it. I like it. Yeah. And they're like listening to it and they're like learning from it. Yeah. And she's like, that's the people I'm talking to. So if you're going to call me Queen of Housewife Rock, let the housewives hear me. And actually listen to what I have to say because that's Mm -hmm. who I'm talking to. Yes. In 1972, Helen and Jeff had a boy named Mm -hmm. Jordan and that was at the same time that I Am Woman topped the US charts. Busy lady. Uh, She went on to perform her hit at the White House uh, in 1974. I know, really casual. Uh, President at the time was Gerald Ford. So 1974 was, fun fact, the first year of the American Music Awards, by the way. Helen picked up the win for Best Female Rock Pop Artist. Awesome. Yeah. Over the next two years, she had more success with Delta Dawn, Leave Me Alone, Ruby Red Dress, Ain't No Way to Treat a Lady, which is another popular one of hers, Angie Baby, and You and Me Against the World. She did get nominated for another Grammy in 1976 for Ain't No Way to Treat a Lady, um, but she didn't win that one, but. No, I'm still count. In 1974, 23rd of July, she received a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I didn't know she had a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. No, neither. Good for her. Uh, and this is when her fame was really peaking. She had a Las Vegas show that was sold out every night. And wow. how good's okay, this? Okay, I know. She set okay, the bar Helen. for the Vegas re- residencies. <laughs> and her support acts, which I love this because when you go back to when she was a support act, and the shit that she copped as a support act. Her support acts were Joan Rivers and David Letterman. That's, that's huge. Awesome. Which is really, really wild. It's weird that that's the timeline. Like I that's know. when they were just like starting. Yeah. Hanging out. Like, I mean, hmm. Helen was really good friends with Frank Sinatra as well. Fun fact. I know How, he's, con- he's controversial. so many decades though. I know. She calls like, him it's Frankie. It's not, but it is. It's a I very know. weird crossover time. It's wild. Mm. Well, on yeah. that note... While we're talking wild, crazy timelines, Mm. she was a mentor for a lot of Aussie artists trying to make it, including Peter Allen, casually, and also, how's this? You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Are you sitting? Olivia (gasps) Newton-John. Wow. She convinced ONJ to move to the US to help her career at a party at Helen's house. Olivia was there. She met a producer named Alan Carr who made her the star of the movie Grease. What up? How you doing? Thank you, Helen. Thank you. That's Helen Reddy make Grease? Helen Reddy (laughs) is the answer to everything? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) So your dad can thank Helen Reddy and so can Olivia (laughs) Newton-John. Yeah. They have that what in common. A wild time. How cool is that? What if that had never yeah. happened? Who would we have had as Sandy? Some shitty person? What if also, that never why, happened? Why aren't we going to these parties where <laughs> there are film producers yeah. and they're just like, you're my next star. 
I know. They well, probably I mean, are, we're not, but we just find them creepy. We're not also living Maybe. in Hollywood. But this is what I mean. You go back to that day in that office at Mercury Records when they told her, Soz, thanks for coming, go home. And she was like, I'm not going home. Tracy, we're getting a hotel room, babe. <laughs> and now she's just created her career and Olivia Newton-Johns and all these other amazing people. Like, what the hell? Oh, shit. Very cool. Freaking crossroads, man. Yeah. Sliding freaking doors. Anyways. <laughs> Sliding doors. Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't think she made Gwyneth's career, but hey. We don't know. Who freaking knows these days? The butterfly effect. She might have. Maybe she knew I her mum. We don't know. I know. Okay. She was also a frequent guest on heaps of talk shows and variety programs, which were huge in the 1970s and early 80s. But she did refuse to do a couple, including Bob Hope's TV specials, because she was anti-war and anti-nuclear. And he obviously wasn't anti-war and Mm anti-nuclear. She was very vocal because, as we know by this point, she's part of the women's movement. She's very strong. She's a very strong woman. I am woman. Hear me roar. She's very confident. She has no shame in saying it how it is. Um, and so she was very vocal about that. She was also very vocal about not doing another popular one, which was the Dean Martin special, which was super sexist. In that 60 Minutes episode, they played a couple of clips, including one where two men are flipping a coin over which women to, woman to choose, but they don't like either of them. It's disgusting. There's another clip where he's singing a song about little girls being objects for little boys. It's so Ugh. fucked up. Yeah. Nah. So she was like, you're kidding, right? No, that's foul. Good on her because that's still publicity. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. can't fault someone for wanting to spruik their music or mm. like sometimes they have to do press stuff, yeah, right? It is. But good on her for being, able, down. Being, yeah. Yeah, being able to put her foot down. Yeah. And she was and a woman. she's lucky enough to be in a situation where she could do that as well. Exactly. And the fact that she used her voice to mm. not back down and just say, no, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. She also went on to have her own talk show anyway. She had her own US talk show called The Helen Reddy Show, which helped launch a whole bunch of careers, including Albert wow. Brooks and the Pointer Sisters. Really? Oh, nice. I know. Again, I've got written down wild yet again. Wild stuff. What the hell? Um, in 1974, she became an American citizen and she said that she felt like she wanted to have a cup of tea and a good cry after the ceremony. She did say that the reason why she opted for the American citizenship is because she found it really hard. And it seems like a little thing, but I guess it's it, it attributes to a lot of bigger things, especially mm-hmm. for the time. But she said it came down to like being at the airport and her and her daughter had to go one way while her husband and her son went another way. Eventually down the track, she could have dual citizenship and she applied for both. So she could be Australian and American citizen. But she didn't just become an American citizen to make walking through the airport easier. She also went on to have a lot to do with um, community affairs. In the 70s, she helped raise millions of dollars for the Democratic political candidates. And in 1977, Jerry Brown, a very popular California governor over in America, um, he appointed her the nine-member commission overseeing the California Department of Parks and Recreation. Woohoo, Leslie. Parks and Rec. (laughs) Wait, so he – she – what she was in charge of the parks she was she oversee she was and overseeing the parks and recreation in california so she was in that sort of local so random so random so like random. inspiration behind so parks random. and rec yeah so helen also launched leslie what's her leslie <laughs> no leslie nope's Nope. career was launched off the back yes <laughs> i'm just so boggled amazing. by that why would he go 
oh, she's a great singer and a political activist. She obviously knows a lot about parks. I thought it was super random as well. She was uh, very successful. So she was still performing, still singing, still on the scene. Um, She was the most successful on the easy listening chart, scoring eight number one hits there over a three-year span. She also did some acting, as they do like to dabble here and dabble there. For her part in Airport 1975, she was actually nominated for a Golden Globe Award for the most promising newcomer. Wow. I know. Of her eight subsequent single releases on Capitol, back to singing, she reached far, reached the easy listening top 50, including Candle on the Water, which is the song from the 1977 original Disney film Pete's Dragon, which she also starred in. I've personally never seen Pete's Dragon. It wasn't on my, you know, when you're a kid and you have like your VHS videos of no. like, x amount of disney movies and that's the movies that you watched and they were the movies that made your childhood no no yeah uh, no yeah no uh yes but the movie wasn't on my list she was in that movie Um, pete's dragon has a um i just looked it up because if you wanted to know it's a kid and he has a cartoon dragon friend yes i do know what it looks like but i've never actually Mm -hmm. seen the movie so she plays um this woman that he the the kid's like an orphan and anyways she's in it she sung this song Got really popular from it. Um, okay, so it was around this same time that her marriage to Jeff to Jeff was really hitting the rocks. Um, he was still very heavily involved in drugs and pushing her into doing things in her career that she didn't really want to do necessarily, including recording certain styles of music that she didn't really want to record. A bit mm. controlling. Uh don't do drugs, they'll do you, etc., etc. <laughs> uh, Helen has attributed this downfall to sort of putting her career at a bit of a stall. And the couple did eventually split in 1983. They were also having a really rough custody battle over their then 10-year-old son, Jordan, which made a lot of headlines, drama, 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 Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. Among other things, Jeff was also accused of punching her boyfriend at the time, attempting to run him over in a silver Maserati. Of course, love that detail. Uh, So, no, not very chill uh, scenes for Helen at the time. Settle the fuck down, Jeff. Yeah. She said that by the mid-80s, several of her performing contracts were cancelled. One promoter told her he couldn't book her in case a certain someone came after him with a shotgun. She also stated that she was effectively being blacklisted from her established performance areas, which is fucking awful, which led her to pursuing a career in theatre where he didn't have any influence because he didn't really have anything to do with that. Uh, so she was in heaps of musicals right up in the mid 1980s including Anything Goes and Blood Brothers yeah classic uh, in, in 1983 June she married a man called Milton Ruth who was a drummer in her band they then divorced in 1995 hi Milton bye Milton hi Milton bye Milton thanks for coming 1990 she issued the feel so young on her own label and album including remakes of her repertoire favorites and her final album was in 2000 uh which was a long time ago which i know is hard to believe and that was the album the best christmas ever in 2015 she also released a cover though of the beatles all you need is love which is a classic Um, and that was for the album keep calm and salute the beatles In 2002, she officially retired, saying she'd been singing for 55 years and it was long enough. She moved back to Australia and studied to become a clinical hypnotherapist. Cool. 
you know, do you, girl. <laughs> In her 2006 memoir, <laughs> I am... Wait, Unusual sorry. career ladder. She's been like, okay, vaudeville, yeah. housewife, singer, mm-hmm. actress, mm-hmm. parks mm-hmm. and recreation, singer, <laughs> hypnotherapist. Theater. Career creator. Yeah. Yeah, I know. She's Good Las Vegas regular residency. your own path, baby. Totally, which is inspiring. In her 2006 memoir, The Woman I Am, love that play on words there, uh, she said her interest in hypnotherapy could be traced to an out-of-body experience that she had at the age of 11. Uh, cool. Sweet. Okay. She does it for you, Helen Reddy. Well, I feel like she's she did some drugs. She was... She mm. met some weird. She's had multiple she did the out of Hollywood body life. Yeah, yeah. she you know was Kaleidos born into a showbiz things. family. I mean, I don't really have any room to judge her here on this career path. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, she said she doesn't sing anymore, but she'll still use her voice to heal and hopefully inspire with that new career path. In 2006, during a ceremony of being in. Oh, hang on. Here we go. In 2006, she was inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame, which is the Australian Recording Industry Association, as we know, a.k.a. the Australian version of the Grammy Awards, which is a big call. Uh, (laughs) But, yes, she was inducted to the ARIA Hall of Fame by Toni Collette, another Australian treasure, who described her song, I Am Woman, as timeless. The song was performed by fellow Australian, Vanessa Amorossi. <gasps> Absolutely everybody. Everybody, everybody. Classic. She continued to speak on women's issues. Uh, and in 2006, she received the medal from the Veteran Feminists of America. She appeared in downtown LA in the 2017 Women's March on the 21st of January. Of course, just after the inauguration of Donald Trump. Yeah. 750 thousand people attended that rally and she was introduced to the stage by actress jamie lee curtis and she sung an acapella version of i am woman again it's the song of the women it's the song of women's rights love it just that's i've come full circle here i started with the song at a march finishing with a song at a march oh that bookend Bookend. I see. Um, I see you. On the 29th of September 2020, Helen died at the age of 78. She did suffer from Addison's disease and some dementia in her later years, but no actual cause of death was given. But yeah, she is. Yeah, that that is the story of Helen Reddy. Now, there is a movie that I watched Mm. and it's on Stan here in Australia. Yeah. Um, And it's called I Am Woman. Have you guys seen it? No, but it's on my list. It's pretty good. It was directed by Unjo Moon and she said that Helen cried at the end of viewing the movie, um, that she actually did really love it. You can tell it's directed by a woman. She does a very good job at sort of shaping that misogynistic Mm. theme throughout. Mm -hmm. The opening scene is, I'm not going to spoil the movie, but the opening scene is Helen and her daughter walking in a train station and there's this big poster on the background advertising like, I don't know, like a sauce or something. And there's a picture of a woman holding the sauce and it, the quote is, even I can open it. I was like, this is an interesting <laughs> start and a woman has definitely directed this movie. I don't know. I just yeah. thought it was an interesting detail. Um, and it kind of really set the mood for this for the movie. She is portrayed by actress Tilda Cobham, Cobham Hervey. I don't know what else she's been in though. Let me just do a little. I This is... 
probably not feminist at all, but I know who she's dating. Who's she dating? She's Dev Patel. Is she dating Dev? Oh, she is dating wow. Dev Patel. Wow. They were filming the Hotel Mumbai. Um, Hotel Mumbai. Yeah. Yes. 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 I love that. And then the other. So she's very Pete Evans from you know, American Horror Story, et cetera, et cetera. He portrays her husband, Jeff, and he does a mm. very good job at that. And then we also have the other she, Aussie actress, Danielle McDonald. Who's Dumplin'. Who was in Dumplin'. Is she Australian? Yep, yeah. she's Aussie. Although she does have a I bit of an American accent now. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love Dumplin'. Yeah, so, so she's good. in Dumplin' and Bird Box and she plays Lillian. So the friendship between her and Lillian in the movie is a bit more prominent, um, which is really cool. And, yeah, it's just really cool. It's a really well-made movie. I thought it was really beautiful and it, it did really well. It debuted at the Toronto Film Festival and, yeah, that's the story of Helen Reddy. And she's that's also gone on to write a lot of – Books and things like that that you can jump into at your leisure. Love if you're ready. I was just gonna say I knew she had the song, like obviously, and I knew she had a young, like I knew she had young Jordan, and you kind of need to start of her song, her life, like her journey. But I had no idea just how much like she did, like how much influence she actually had on parks and, and fingers recreation. And so many different pies. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And there's like photos of her with Gloria Steinem and it's mm. just, ah, it's just cool. I also want to just say, I'm talking about myself again. Here's a shock for everyone listening. Um, <laughs> she is partly shed a hand in me getting into my high school. Oh, really? Because yeah. you said that she got the Pointer Sisters to be like a thing. Mm-hmm. She, right? yeah, so she had them on her talk show. So they got, went up in popularity and Jump For My Love is a Pointer Sister song. Yeah. Jump for my love. Yep, yep. Jump in. And that was my audition song to dance to get into my high school. Congratulations. Come full circle. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Helen you, Reddy. Helen. Thanks, Helen. Helen. Thanks for not going home. Thanks for sticking it out. Thanks Appreciate for sticking it, it out, girl. <laughs> we see you. And when we go to, the, when we go to LA and we sit in a park, we can also say, this park is lovely. Thanks, Helen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Erin. That was an awesome episode. I, I I loved so much of it. I, and I definitely learned a lot about Helen Reddy. Are you ready so for much. it? Are you ready? Yeah. For it? Yeah. She's pretty extraordinary. If you do want to get in touch, maybe you've got a fierce female to suggest or you just want to check out our socials. We post um, lots of stuff about lots of different women that maybe we haven't done an episode on yet. So you'll learn a lot of things as well. You can check us out on our socials and they are... Fierce Females Podcast on Instagram, Fierce Females of History on Facebook. Also, can I put this in? We're going to make a Spotify playlist um, and we'd really like you to give us some suggestions, some of your own female anthems. Of, of course, I Am Woman is going to be at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're really keen to get a, a playlist going that you can just jam out to, feel a bit of female empowerment, you know, while you're doing your ironing or your housewife work. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Or like smashing the patriarchy. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one to just hand in hand, baby. Smashing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to email us, you can do that too. It's fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please scroll down and give us a rating and leave a review as well if you've got a quick sec because it does help more people find these stories. Hmm. Or you could just write us a letter, but just swap out every Y for an I, a la Tracy. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> 
It'll be symbolic. Poor Tracy. Poor Tracy. Small Tracy. 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 I'm white, but it's weird.